0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John, and that is Mark. Welcome in, everybody. Mark, how you doing?
1: Hello. I'm doing great, Johnny. Of course. It's summertime. The living is, well, not easy for everybody and not really that easy for us, but we love what we do, and we're here doing shows, and we've got TV going on on Saturday nights on ABC 13, Texans 360. Be sure to tune in or catch it on YouTube afterwards, commercial-free. Was it that is, a good enough promo for that you? That was
0: really good. It is the summer, but you wouldn't know it driving around this place. What do you mean? Oh, the building? Oh, no, I'm talking about the city of Houston. Oh, with traffic? It's still the same. I don't I haven't felt any difference. I feel like the ride People in the go in on is vacation, man.
1: Yeah, the ride in is lighter because the school zones plus, you know, I live in the suburbs of Sugarland, Texas. Yeah. The greatest city in America, and just getting out of my neighborhood now that's that's hard when the school's on yeah yeah, yeah. It, you know i've drive by four different schools and it's a <laughs> mess like you have to leave at the yeah, right time but that's true. it's only about a 45 minute window where it's horrendous before or after you're pretty much okay but i noticed that the ride in is a little lighter but to your point i guess i could see that there's still a lot of traffic out there yeah. it's not like the city empties out where's everybody gonna go
0: yeah, that's true it's like you live in a I don't know if you want to call it a vacation haven, but you live in a place that a lot of people would like. To, I mean, some some really? people have got to go out for vacation.
1: <laughs> well, not everybody can go to Colorado. Here's sure. what I noticed about Houston. Okay,
0: so where do people in Houston go vacation? All right,
1: it depends on you know certain demographics, right. income, that kind for of thing. For the most part. Now, a lot of people who can afford it go to Colorado. That's yeah. what I notice here. Okay. When I lived in South Florida, especially on – The east coast of South Florida, like Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know some people call Tampa South Florida. To me, that's not South Florida. It's the west coast. Not true South Florida. Yeah. So the Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Boca area. Yeah. People there vacation in North Carolina. They go for the coolness of the mountains. When we were at the Greenbrier, I thought, hey, West Virginia, if you have the right spot like Lewisburg, it's as good as anything in a way because it's cool. It's nice. It's probably a lot less expensive than a lot of places. If you're staying at the Greenbrier, it's not inexpensive.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, mm-hmm. very nice. Uh, I think a lot of people from Houston also go 30A. They go Destin and 30A.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, down, the Rosemary Beaches of yes. the world. Uh, somebody yeah, mentioned, Beach, um, yes. what's the one in Alabama? Orange Beach. Orange Beach, yeah. Yeah, that's a popular well,
0: spot. I stay down for the Senior ball. I stay down on Dauphin Island. No, that's a little bit further. But it's it's like forty five minutes to the stadium. I mean it's and it's great. Nobody's nobody's down there, especially senior bowl time. Nobody's down there because it's Middle not a winter. It's not a um it's not a it's not a homestead for a lot of people throughout the year. It's not barren, but it's not completely packed. It's so also it's not warm in go. the winter. It's nice. It's re it's really nice. Well, last year it was cold. <laughs> there was one day when we were when we were getting stuff out of the car to go inside. It was like thirty mile an hour winds coming off the bay. And the place was right Ooh. in between the bay and the water Ooh. the bay and the ocean. And it was like blowing us all over the place. It was frigid. But yeah, Destin thirty I think a lot of people will would uh would end up going there. Colorado. I don't know maybe people going that direction. It's funny because most of the people I talk to, they're all, they all they go east. We used to always go east. Or Galveston. Yeah. Hey, Galveston Galveston's is terrific. Is great. Uh, I really think, you know,
1: when I moved here, I've told the story a few times because I was moving from Miami where the water is nice turquoise yes. color. Yes. They said, don't go to Galveston for at right. least a year. You know, decompress off that. <laughs> and then yeah. when you're desperate – no, I'm just kidding. The water there, it, let's be honest, yeah. it's not that pretty. Some days it is, like three days a year or something. But it's great to be on the beach, the wind. Just, I, I like that. You the know, beach I like has a blown vibe. blown away
0: on the beach and just yeah. sitting there looking at the water. It's nice. The beach has a vibe and a sound. There's mm-hmm. something soothing about that. Very much. Uh, about that sound of, of being there. Now, a guy that did play his college ball at the beach is a young man named Brevin Jordan. And Drew Doherty had a chance to do a little Drew's Dozen with Brevin Jordan. Las Vegas
2: heat
3: or Houston heat? Which one do I like more? Which one do I prefer? You tell me. I'd probably do Vegas, Vegas heat, just because Houston is hot. It's like Vegas heat with Miami humidity. So it's it's a little different. I'm still getting used to it. I don't know how y'all get used to it out here. Y'all Houstonians. Y'all different, for real. I'm not used to it, and I'm from here. I've been here a while.
2: Okay, you're on an island. You're all by yourself, man, but you have enough food and water
3: that you don't have to worry about that. What are two things that you're bringing? I'll probably bring a book. I'll probably bring the Daily Stoic just to keep my mind like, in a positive place, make sure I don't go crazy. And I'll probably bring my wiener dog, Diva, back home. She's a beautiful dog. She keeps great company. She's like a human in a dog's body, so I'll probably bring her, too. I, I knew I liked you, Brevin Jordan. Uh, my
2: wife and I, my family, we have two wiener dogs. One, dog. of them, one of them one might have the worst breath of all time. Okay. I mean, just awful like a dumpster in August with four dead <laughs> bodies in it bad.
3: What type of wiener dog do you have? Is it long hair, short hair? Is she's, it? A, she's, a, she's a miniature Dawson. So she, I don't, I don't know if, if that's the, that's the whole description of the dog. Minister Dawson, she's, she's a small little wiener dog. She's lovely. Her what what color? A brat, brown. Brown, okay. She's a brat though. She doesn't go outside when it's raining. That's how much of a brat she is. That's why we call her Diva. Yeah. She likes to pee and poop inside when it rains, right. or it snows,
2: diva. or yeah. She's a, she's a pure Diva. Diva. How long did it take you to come up with a name?
3: Oh, uh, I think it took us about a week when we realized she's a little brat. She was literally like when we first got her, she was not trying to go outside when it was raining or snowing or anything, snowing, I was in Las Vegas, excuse me, but whether it was raining or it was super hot, she wasn't going outside, so it was like, this dog is really bougie, like she's a bougie little human, it was crazy. Well, if she sees a
2: squirrel, that'll all change, she'll be outside like that. Okay, if you were an animal and you could choose to be an animal, what animal would you choose to be?
3: What animal would I be? i will probably be like an eagle or like a falcon, something that can fly, None in the ocean. Nothing, none, none, I don't really like the ocean. The ocean scares me a little bit. Even though I went to Miami, the ocean scares me. Yeah, probably like a falcon or like an eagle. Flying is cool. Or you Flying can't cool. You can't really... Uh... Flying is cool. And they got the little, they got uh, eagle vision. Yeah, give me an eagle or a falcon. You think you'd ever want to be a pilot? No, probably not. Believe it or not, I'm actually kind of scared of heights. Like, I live in the sky rise right now, but when I go on my balcony, I look down and get a little nauseous. It's not, it's not really for me. Maybe put a bungee cord on, you can lean I mean, over a little more? Nah, probably not, Drew. Probably not. It's not for me. Heights not really my thing it's probably for the better. It's probably smarter. Hey, back to the Daily Stoic, how many times have you read this book? I mean, it's just one of those books that I have opened up before I start my day, and it's just one of those things that just keep me going, keep keep me in a positive mindset. Do you read other stuff? I do. I, uh, I'm reading a book. I don't know if I can say the language, but On Your Mind, it's a great book. Uh, James Lewis, I think, is the, the author of it. It's one of those books that keep your keep your mind straight too. Just one of those things that about avoiding all negative negative thoughts before it even happens. I like that. That's good stuff. Okay, what about growing up? Was there a book that you loved growing up being read no, to? I, I believe it or not, I didn't really start reading until I came to Houston. Because I mean, out here in Houston, I don't have no friends. Me, I, don't, I don't live with nobody. All my teammates, Nico, Davis, they all got girlfriends. Garrett just got just got engaged, so I don't have no friends. I just started reading because I was bored. Wanted to pick up a book. Books can be good friends, but Houston, Brevin Jordan needs a friend. Well, I don't want to cele- – maybe cut that out. I do need out. a friend, though. I do need a friend because all my rookie teammates, they don't really like me. They all got girlfriends. They got they got—they got family and stuff. I be out here by myself. My own family don't even really like me. They don't come visit me. I have to go back home in Vegas to go visit them. Well, I don't think they don't like you. I, I think it's a matter that. of other things. Okay, so what makes up a good friend? Three good traits. Loyalty. I would say commitment. Loyalty and commitment kind of go in the same thing. Loyalty, commitment, and honesty. Like, it, it, all of that just – in one in one human is great man I, I think that's that's really the three traits that make a good friend would you rather be the mightiest squirrel in the world or the meekest fire-breathing dragon in the world <laughs> hey did you just come up with this question or have you been had this on your mind i'll probably be the weakest what is it the weakest squirrel you said or the mightiest, mightiest squirrel? squirrel i'll probably be the mightiest squirrel just because i mean it's not it's not about the size of it's about the heart so i'll probably do the mightiest squirrel titus howard said the same thing he's like I'll, I believe in being mighty, so that's what I'm going to go with.
2: Okay, what's the latest song you've sung out loud, whether it's in the car, the shower,
3: or just anywhere? Who was I singing this morning? Who was I playing this morning? Oh, rock! I was playing uh, Rock With You by Michael Jackson this morning before I walked, came into the building. Let's so, hear it. Let's totally, hear it. Nah, I totally. Can't, no, I can't hit y'all with that. Just a little bit. Okay. I want to rock with you all night. See, hold on. Don't get me on camera because I might get signed. Like Houston Records, Atlanta Records, don't let me start singing. It's bad news for the rest of the country if I start seeing
0: it. All right, Mark, I'm excited. We talked about Brevin Jordan a lot uh this this offseason. He's a guy I think all of us are looking forward to seeing. Have a big, big year. And we're hoping that Lovey Smith has a great year as a head coach. And that leads me to what I wanted to talk about. I saw this today, and I thought, you know what? One thing that we don't we do, but we don't do a lot, is we don't talk about coaches. We talk about the teams, and we talk about Various things, but we don't talk about coaches. And I saw this today and it hit me like, wait, this would be a good topic to talk about because it's, it's gambling, but it's not. <laughs> you sound like it's somebody's g- making it's a gambling. juicy rationalization. Right. It's, Go on. it's gambling, but it's not. But I think it's a good talking point. Odds to be the first NFL coach fired in 2022. Now, they this was put out by Bet Online, mm. and they have odds that go with it. But what strikes me are just the names of what Vegas thinks and who Vegas thinks is fireable, gonna fireable yeah. early, or yeah, I guess early in the twenty twenty two season. Okay. Now the first couple names you hear, you are like, oh well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I th- that it makes sense. The first one in particular, I think, is the easiest one on the board. Like, I mean, if you had asked me, this is the first I've thing i come up I have not seen this list.
1: Full okay. disclosure, is it Mike McCarthy? He's second. Okay, he's second. Is it Cliff Kingsbury?
0: Ooh, now Kingsbury is two, four, six, eight down the list. Is it Rule? It's Rule. Rule's number one. Matt Rule's number one. Yeah, I plus three hundred, which is pretty decent odds. So Matt Rule number one. I really had no. I don't want to say any beef in that. I just think with everything that's gone on with the Panthers, and I feel like a lot of it has been David Tepper generated, but he gave Matt Rule a seven-year contract, and I feel like Tepper gave him that seven-year contract to get him to come from Baylor, but then he expected a turnaround in a year or two. And now we're yeah. in year three, and it's like, when's it going to happen? I'm you
1: like, got to well, see more progress in 5-12, and 12, don't you agree? I, th- I agree, especially
0: when you start 3-0. and
1: yeah, year two. Right, you're right. right. They they left here at three and zero. They left they here three
0: zero Thursday night.
1: Yeah, you can't win two the rest of the way. No. When, when you're three and zero, you got to figure. five hundred ish, eight, right. nine, nine, eight. 8 Right.
0: Especially when the quarterback you push to trade for. Yeah. Basically goes into witness protection Wh- program, Wh- which
1: is a mistake that baffles me with all the information they have. I understand that there are things they know that we don't. And Darnold, look, he was highly regarded coming out. A lot of people thought he should have been the number one pick in the draft instead of Baker Mayfield yep. that year. A lot yep. of people thought that. They yeah. thought, well, wow, did- Mayfield, you're really taking a flyer here. Not that much of a flyer, but somewhat. When Darnold's sitting right there for you to take number one, they didn't do it. The rest
0: is history. Yeah, I, I was one of those that thought Darnold was going to be that guy. And maybe Darnold would fit better in Cleveland. Who knows? So, rules one, you mentioned Mike McCarthy is, is two. Number three was a little bit of a shock because he's a Super Bowl winning coach. And we have talked about him the last kind of week or so. In fact, I think we talked about him on Monday because he's got a quarterback situation that is not enviable after having one for 10 years that was –
1: Pete Carroll's not getting fired. Pete Carroll's number three. Pete Carroll's not getting fired. No way. You think – look, a lot of these teams, we're not in their building – we're not even around them to really see the nuances of daily life with right. that franchise Carolina, of course, in right. Seattle now. Sure. I cannot imagine that Pete Carroll's the problem in Seattle. Do
0: you think so? Possibly. So this the the thing about a, a Pete Carroll situation, similar to a, a Sean Payton situation or Sean McVeigh situation, Andy Reid situation, those places all have GMs. But it's not gonna be the GM that's gonna end up making that decision because the football decisions are gonna flow they flow through the head coach. Right. And even though John Schneider has been a great GM and he's been there for a while, a great talent evaluator, all that kind of stuff, Pete Carroll's making a decision. So that's gonna that is gonna to have to come from on high from the Allen family. And don't know whether that would happen or not. But Pete Carroll is listed at number three. He's seventy years old, makes a trade for Russell Wilson. I mean, obviously they had to <laughs> I don't know the right way of saying this. He had to sell that trade to his Mm -hmm. management, Mm -hmm. to to upper management, to ownership, and get them to buy off. And I could see that Russell getting off to a good start with Denver, Seattle not getting off to a good start, and the Cowboys and the, uh, the quarterbacks there stink. So, yeah, I could see some pressure. I don't see number three, though. Wait till you hear number four. Okay, go. He's in our division.
1: Wait a minute. So, Frank Reich. It's got to be him. It's Frank Reich. Because Reich and Vrabel have the same amount of tenure uh, with their yes. teams, right? Yes. both, both started in, in 18. Right. Yep. Vrabel's not going to get fired. But Reich, look, you could make the case that first year, 2018. Yeah. He goes to the playoffs, wins a playoff game. Hasn't course, won one since. Hasn't won one since. Has been back
0: twice. Wait a minute. They did not go 19. in. 19. 19 was, um Wow. Phillip Rivers is 20, so they got back in 20 for sure.
1: Yeah, 19 was Brissette. They didn't go. Yeah, they didn't
0: go. That's right. All right, so
1: 20 they went. They lost with Rivers. And then last year it was go. last year. They couldn't beat Jacksonville in the final day. Look, you can make the case that for what they have, you know, you can look yeah. at the record and say, look, he's done a good job. Look at these right. wins, whatever. The right. quarterback situation is different every year, okay? But for what they have, should they do more? Would somebody else get more out of that group? I guess you could make that case. You know, we look from afar and say, wow, Frank Reich, he's great. But maybe they don't feel that way if they have another 9-8-ish and eight-ish kind of season or if they got off to another terrible start, which they've done and rebounded from at least two or three times. But can they do it again?
0: Here's what's going to make me ill. What? Matt Ryan gets hurt. Something happens. Mm-hmm. And Nick Foles comes and rescues Frank Reich again. Not happening. I can't see it happening either. Not happening. Now. You brought up an interesting name when I asked you who was number one. You said Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. He is plus 1,200, meaning you bet 100 to win 1,200 if you need to know that. 12 to 1 odds. Yeah. He's got the same odds as another coach in our division, and you just mentioned him. Mike Vrabel? Yes. No way. Kingsbury and Vrabel have the same odds, and the only – Three coaches in between Reich and Kingsbury, Kingsbury and Vrabel, are Kevin Stefanski. Not happening. Dan Campbell. Eh, and Ron Rivera. Short.
1: Rivera, I could see to a point because we talked about this yesterday. Yeah. Seven and ten. Wentz could play well. They could really flip that to 10-7. and seven. They could also torpedo downward. Yes. You know? And they do have some talent. They have I enough talent to they, go 8-9,
0: 9-8. Nine, nine, they really do, they especially have enough, that division. They have enough talent to put pressure on Ron Rivera to try and maintain his job, basically. Yeah. that's I mean, that's essentially what it is. They have enough talent that you would look at that team and go, whoa, that front four, it's outstanding. Now, they don't have all – I mean, like we said the other day, they don't have all the pieces. Secondary, I think, is still a struggle. Linebackers, okay. Front's good. Offensive line, hot garbage right now. Mm, And then Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz is decent, eh, maybe I could see Ron Rivera. I could, I could. I would have put Ron Rivera probably behind McCarthy at that point. Just also because of ownership and how that whole thing goes down.
1: Um, Well, yeah, that's a strange. Obviously, there was a, a lot of news about that today. That's a very strange situation, and Rivera's had to deal with that. He's kind of had to be the face of the franchise. And I think he's done pretty well for the most part. Overall, I mean, I think it's a tough spot to be in for him because you're a football coach. There is enough of a challenge right there, and now you have to sort of be the statesman of the team, which you are anyway. I get it with the head coach, but dealing with so many off-field type questions, and your image has to project stability progress all of that off the field as well right and that's
0: uh, yeah and that's tough I mean obviously his defensive coordinator uh, had some things to say and he got fined and it didn't go over well but yeah rule McCarthy Carroll Frank Reich Ron Rivera then 10 to 1 Stefanski Campbell Kingsbury Vrabel the next two Robert Sala Arthur Smith Uh,
1: Robert Sala's not going anywhere right now either is Arthur Smith but uh, about McCarthy If they get off to a shaky start at best, but they're still kind of bringing it offensively. I know what you're about to say. Telling more.
0: Well, I was going to say somebody else.
1: No. Somebody who used to work here? No. Somebody who used to work for the Saints. Oh, then that happens, finally. Yeah, but don't they have to get compensation? I think there's a
0: contract. There's no, a contract he's still protected. Somewhere. If on the
1: Saints, there's no way that's happening. If I on the Saints, uh, yeah, yeah. I need compensation coming back. He's still protected somehow contractually. I'm thinking more because Moore gets a lot of looks. Yeah, yeah, right? I could see that. And Moore could be a Jerry guy, and Jerry wants a Jerry guy,
0: right? He, Jerry, goes, in, he goes into an interim role, Right. And then shows he can do it, he becomes the Wade The way he did guy. it with
1: Garrett when he dismissed yeah. Wade in 2010. Right, right, and right. And right. the other thing about Peyton is this. When Jerry hired Bill Parcells, all right, it's Bill Parcells. You're right. going to get to run this thing. Right. And Bill did a good job in Dallas. Yeah. He really did. He turned it around. They took the 5-11 and 11 perennial team and made it into a playoff team, and that's saying something in Dallas, uh, considering that they haven't done anything really that notable for a long time three playoff wins since the Texans have existed. The Texans have more playoff victories than the Cowboys, but that's a scoreboard that doesn't really enable you to throw a parade yeah. in your downtown area.
0: So this is kind of interesting. So when I was trying to pull up this actual this article yeah. and trying to to um, find this one, I got last year's odds. Okay. Number one last year was Mike McCarthy. <laughs> well, it's Dallas. But then Vic Fangio. Mm-hmm. Matt Nagy, John Gruden, Mike Zimmer. All right, Gruden for
1: reasons that we did not uh, anticipate. Right. Right. Mike Zimmer lasted the season. He did last the season. I think. Who, who else was, was on that list? Fangio and Nagy. I think Fangio was first yeah. of that group. Fangio, uh, look, Nagy, we all knew that was a ticking time bomb. That had to turn around very quickly. Did you see? People have been tweeting this out. And you have to tell the story behind it, but Mitchell Trubisky has a better record as a starter than somebody who used to play here who was drafted the same year. Mm-hmm. At, yeah, well, there's context that needs to be. There is off, context because there was
0: the 2020 season yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: But it's interesting.
0: Yeah, very much so. Number seven on the list mm-hmm. last year with the same odds as Vrabel and Kingsbury, Zach Taylor. Interesting. That turned around. That turned around really, really, really really quickly. It did. So let's go the other way. All right. There are four coaches, four that have the, I guess, the highest odds or lowest odds to be be, coach of the year. Yeah, no, to be first
1: fired. Okay. So the most stable, the most stable. Right, but new coaches would always be one of these is a little shocking. Okay. When you hear it. All right. Let me hear it. The two
0: Sean's. Okay. McVay and McDermott. Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. Who do you think the fourth one is? The most stable. Think Patriots. Yeah, of
1: course. No. Oh, McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Well, he's a new coach. I know but he all can the start 0 and 6. I know, but all the him. new
0: coaches are are uh so In the Dable, Dennis Allen, Lovey. Doug Peterson. Yeah, I mean, well, Lovey has the same odds as Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty to one, but Andy Reid, Josh McDaniels, Sean McDermott, Sean McVay, all one hundred, one hundred to one.
1: Andy Reid is not going anywhere unless he wants to,
0: and it's the same thing for well, I I know I know McVay and Reid for sure, where they're head coach driven. Th- that would have to come from ownership and I don't I don't yeah. ever see that happening. McDermott, he and Brandon Bean had got something else. That's definitely No, not there's happening. no chance, Johnny.
1: No. They could go 6 and whatever and the, it, you're going to give him another shot. You built something there. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh McDaniel's, no, I, I know Dave Ziegler went with him from New England. But I don't know how that thing is. I don't know how that thing is structured. Uh It's McDaniel's. But, he but has McDaniels. total control of everything. So McDaniel's is one of the four least odds to be the first coach fired. I yeah. mean, that, wow. I mean, I, I think Josh is a tremendous coach, and I'm glad his brother Ben is here. I think mm-hmm. Ben's a tremendous coach, but I'm thinking there's no way in Hades that Bill Belichick shouldn't be amongst that group no matter what Belichick yeah, does. Yeah, exactly. You're there's right. There's no way. You're right. Belichick's no got to be right
1: there because Belichick's not going anywhere. He could go 6-11. and 11. You notice. Know, with the 17-game schedule, I don't spit out the numbers, like the other number in the record as quickly as I used to. You're right. I've gotten used to 9 and 8, 8 and 9, 10 and 7, yes. 7 to 10. You know, and then you're like, 5 and 12. you know Because <laughs> you, 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 you got so used to say 5 and 11. and yeah. It was just easy to add everything up.
0: And I happened to see don't this. Don't
1: get me started on ties.
0: Yeah. Now, Mike Vrabel, uh, I saw this. I just want to get your gut reaction to this yeah. one. Mike Vrabel went to Ohio State University, right? Right but the people of that university like oh, no. to say the ohio okay. state university okay the is now trademarked in the united states by ohio state university no it's got to follow it's got to be followed by ohio state university the ohio state university has successfully received a trademark on the word the but only when followed by ohio state university yes it is when That's it's followed be. by yes the us patent and trademark office approved Ohio State's application Tuesday. They filed it in 2019, issuing a registration certificate. It allows Ohio State to control use, uh, control the use of the unclothing, namely T-shirts, baseball caps, and hats, all the foregoing being promoted, distributed, and sold through channels customary to the field of sports and collegiate athletics. The damn university has the word the. <laughs> like,
1: what? Did I tell you, all right, so this reminds me, I know it has to be followed by that because somebody, a big Hurricane fan, was a trademark lawyer. And he said, uh-huh. you want to try to trademark rock and roll? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to, but yeah. it's rock and roll. You're not going to be able to do it. He said, well, I could try to trademark rock and roll touchdown hurricanes. I'm like, okay, great. That'd be cool. Yeah. But really, what is it going to do for me? Anyway? Right, right. Somebody else says it, and I hear Give me my $10. Hey, stop it. I need $5 from you because you yeah. said that. Right. You know, it doesn't. so what? You know? So so you didn't do it? No, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Why do that? I don't know. Plus, now I come here, i you know, I got to change the whole sounds, thing over.
0: It just sounds ridiculous. The. They filed a trademark for the word the. That's just odd. What's not odd is in the lab. Drew Doherty stops by next right here at Texans All Access. 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 What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris, football analyst and solid reporter for your Houston Texans and your host for this evening and one half of the In the Lab podcast. The other half is my man, Drew Dory. We got together and kicked it around, talking about training camp and everything we have to look forward to right about now.
2: Last week, we teased this week's In the Lab by pointing out Jim McMahon, the quarterback for the Bears, most notably. Yep. Jim McMahon's all-time, or not all-time, but some some stretches of his career where his team basically didn't lose games when he started. Yeah. So with that in mind, we wanted to kind of localize things and say, which Texan do you wish could have had a three-year stretch of total health? So you, you can go lots of ways with that. But just as a refresher, check this out. So okay. Jim McMahon. Most notable for being the punky QB of the 1985 Bears. Yeah, tough 15 Bears. 15-1. One, yep. one of the greatest teams of all time. The one loss was to the Dolphins in Miami on Monday Night Football. He right. did not start that game. He Correct. played in a little. Did not start that game. In fact, that season, he only started 11 games. Right. 11-0, and though. Every game he started, they won. Mm-hmm. The next year, 86, only started six games. But they were 6-0 and in those games that he started. So... In a two-year stretch, he was seventeen and zero. Right. In '84, he was seven and two as a starter, and then he went five and one in '87. So think about that. In a one, two, three, four-year span, he lost five games total. Right. As a starter, his team lost Correct. five games total as a star- starter. He played a long time in the NFL. All time, his teams were sixty-seven and thirty. Yeah. as a starter so he's with the bears 82 to 88 forgot about that season in uh san diego with the chargers That's in eight and nine. he went four and seven or his teams did he went four and seven but then he was with the eagles 91 eight and three as a starter with them yep. eight and four with minnesota in 93 and then he was a backup with the green bay packers and they won a super bowl he still wore his number nine bears jersey to the white house because Bears didn't get to visit the White House that year right after they won because of the Challenger explosion oh, in 86. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, with all that in mind, I mean this guy, went if they if he'd played, they would probably win Super Bowls. Yeah. But he was injured. Um and it's it's a darn shame. So, I thought, you know, from 12, 13, 14, if the Texans could have had 100% healthy Brian Cushing, Mm. Oh, who played boy. the way he did in 11 and who played the way he, he was playing in the first four or five games of 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then up against the Jets on Monday Night Football, Texans are 4-0. and Back of his knee gets run into ACL. And then the next year he comes back, 13, at the Chiefs, middle of the season, another ACL. So
0: <sighs> there was <sighs> a
2: stat. Evan Koch and the, the media relations crew here back then, they put together the stat, and it was in, in 11 and started with 12. The Texans' defense with Cushing, the Texans' defense without. And it was a stark strike. It was almost a touchdown difference. Yep. I think if Cushing is around and fully healthy, you know what? Maybe that playoff game goes differently at New England. Maybe that Monday night game goes differently at New England because Bill Belichick would have had to find a different mismatch to exploit. The one he exploited was not the Texans wearing Letterman jackets, okay? (laughs) it was. It was having a a linebacker, an inside linebacker, who had been signed, you know, middle of the season, a guy who had come off the street covering a running back or covering a wide receiver. I mean, Belichick did a masterful job, and the the Patriots got their touchdowns off that. I think if Cushing's around, there's no telling how far the Texans might have gone. Now, you could easily say, well, what about the year before? Why don't you just put Schaub in and have – yeah, but that's kind of like super, super obvious to me. And I think if you kind of look a little bit further and think a little bit deeper – Maybe those Texans, because you got to remember, in 11, Cushing was the team MVP. Yep. Not Owen Daniels, who led the team in receiving. Andre Johnson missed a lot of time. Uh, Arian Foster missed some time. They kind of tag teamed in. You never really had them all all together. So I'm going to go with Cushing in a 12, 13, 14 stretch. What do the Texans do if that happens?
0: I'm getting in the building in 2014, watching Cush, and he had that brace on. You could just, he was, he was, Gutting it out, doing everything he could to yeah. play. And he still made a lot of still made a lot of plays. He's the
2: all-time leader in franchise tackle, Franchise leader in all-time tackles.
0: I think of the 13 game against Seattle. That's the one that kind of stands out to me. Because yeah. in that game, Marshawn Lynch is doing kiss. Zero. Like, boop, boop, boop. Zero in that yep. game. He has that one run coming out of the end zone. And that was really it. And a large part of that was because Cushing was, was awesome that he goes out. And then the defense... Sort of. Yeah, he he went out a couple of games later. Yeah, he guy. he um he and,
2: and to be fair, Cushing was not at full stri- full Cushing at that point. Right, he right, was right, Coming right, off the right. knee injury, right. But he was having a heck of a game in that was, Seattle game. Yeah, he went out of that Seattle game, he had the pick six in week one. You know,
0: yeah. So uh, I've I I will have different feelings about Cushing than I think a lot of people will because of the suspensions that he yeah. had and that. I think a lot of people will. Look at Cushion. I'm and putting it in a vacuum, point. yeah. Player, I player. I just think he was everything you wanted a football player to be. I mean, he was he was nasty. He talked a little trash. He was smart. He was physical. He ran. I mean, he could run. Um, but I think ultimately he was a he was a great teammate. He was somebody that took guys. I remember when Bernard McKinney came in here in 2015, and BMAC has no idea what to do. None. Mm-hmm. Uh, B Mac learned obviously. He had no idea, and I remember on Thursday night they had to throw BMAC out there, and Cush is spending the entire game. BMAC, you're over here. You got B Like he's the whole game. He's yeah. telling him where to go, what to do. And I think that was an underrated part of Cush in his career. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought him up because I think him not being there in 12. I remember when he got when he got kneecapped by a particular Jets offensive line. I was I was furious I was doing my my overnight show at that point national show so I was in the studio watching the game getting ready for my show and I just as soon as I saw it happen I was just livid because I knew what what he meant I don't know if I have somebody for for a three-year period but I have somebody for a year and I've thought about this a lot and I think Shab is the easy one to go back to in 2011 but I would go back even further because I feel like Mario Williams in 2011, getting hurt week five, I think it was. I think, or maybe it was week six. Either way, he had He's had fine. five sacks through five games. And, like, okay, well, if he does that, that's 16 sacks. Okay, that, that's a good, good number. But it wasn't even just the number of sacks, it was how that was starting to come together up front. Ninja was finding uh, his sea legs. Mario was really, and there was all that talk about oh, he's going out to 3-4 outside linebacker. I'm like, look, man, there isn't that big a difference right. in that particular in the NFL, even at that point, because you're still playing a lot of nickel. It's like Wade,
2: it's like Wade Phillips said that offseason going into yeah. it. At a He was at an event here, and somebody
0: asked him about the 3-4, and he's like, well, when, when
2: three guys are down in a three-point stance, it's a 3-4. We might put a fourth guy down. Right. And it's
0: a 4-3. Right. And so I think Mario fit into it really, really well, as we all thought he, w- he would. And... JJ hadn't hit his stride yet in 2011. He was still, yeah, yeah. He was still kind of learning was a month everything. Or two away. Right, so had Mario stayed healthy and Watts finding his stride, Brooks Reed got some time because Mario had gotten hurt. You would have had Brooks Reed as kind of a fresh guy to rotate in at the outside linebacker spot uh, to be there in the outside linebacker spot. But not having Mario out there in 2011, and I think about that Ravens playoff game a lot. Just you know, driving around thinking about you know playoff games and such. There were so many things that went against the Texans in that game. Of course, Jacoby headbutting the football on that one punt, just mistakes early on, and then obviously not offensively been being able to do a whole heck of a lot. But that defense really, a kept them in the game, and b, if you have Mario, does it change even that much more on the defense? Yeah. Um, and what you're able to do, you're you're not facing Lamar Jackson, you're facing Joe Flacco. I'm not gonna tell you he's a statue, but he's a statue. So if you would have Mario and, and I'll say this man in that time, Joe we'll Flacco,
2: play. that's one of the toughest humans I've ever seen. I was on the field for parts of that game, yeah, part yeah. of the part of the, the regular season one in October and he got hammered. Yeah. That's the best defense the Texans have ever yeah. had and they hammered him yeah. from all sides, all directions and I just remember thinking Flacco's t- I don't know if he's the greatest ever, I don't know if he's a leader or whatever. That that became a joke later. I know this that guy is tougher than titanium beef jerky.
0: I'll give you one for a three-year period.
2: Okay. So you already gave me Mario. That's good. I gave you Mario. But this is – Wade Smith brings him up. He's the only other person I hear that brings up, what if Mario had stayed healthy? Because everyone naturally says, well, what if Shaw had right. healthy that year?
0: Here's one. In particular, the middle year of the three. 2017, 2018, 2019. It was the guy that we always talked about that could not stay healthy. Will Fuller, yeah. Will Fuller. Oh, yeah. Because when he was on the field – Holy bleep. Touchdowns. It was incredible what he did. And I think as you watch the Texans over those three years and, and you know, Deshaun is you know, going through his growth period there, everybody thought, oh, he was going to Hopkins, he was going to Hopkins. Deshaun really had a connection with Fuller. Yeah. Fuller was a guy he really wanted to go to. And you started to see that a little bit in 2017, but he can't really stay healthy throughout the year in 17. But the middle year was 18. That was the year – and I'll never forget that Thursday night game against the Dolphins and Brock's playing quarterback for the the Dolphins, and it kind of starts off a little a little shaky. You know the Dolphins. I, there was I think it was a turnover early, but then all of a sudden it was the game went to a different level. You know Hop has that catch on the far sideline where he kind of trapped it between his legs and mm-hmm. they called him for OPI and it was like after that, wow. Fuller had the long 73 yard bomb. He had another touchdown catch for a bomb, and that was the one where he tore his ACL. And I'll never forget going into the locker room to get my my post game interview. I happened to see John Perry, who's not the offensive coordinator at Sam Houston, he was the receivers coach, mm-hmm. and he was kind of shaking hands. And I just said, "Johnny," they he turned around, and I just kind of put my hands up like, "What do you know?" And he just looked at me, shook his head. I was like, "Oh no." He played That's so. That's the year. That's the year, 2018. That's the one because
2: seven games. Only beat got seven beat games. Philly.
0: Beat. I don't know, beat one of those teams, not lose to, to Indianapolis, keep the streak going. You just got to win one to get the home field, get the bye, mm-hmm. and get home field in the divisional playoff round. Now, you're probably going to have to play the Patriots yep. at home in the divisional playoff round. But if you have Will Fuller on the 18 squad, I'll go against anybody in 18. Four. I don't care who it is. I'll go against anybody in 18 with Will Fuller completely over. Four,
2: four touchdowns in seven games Jeez. in 18. He had seven touchdowns. He started 10 games that year, but they weren't all, all those starts weren't with Watson. I think right. if, if, I can't remember the numbers, but if he's, if you're just taking into account starts with Watson, that number kind yeah. of per game rises. And then I didn't realize this. In 19, he only had, he played in 11 games. Yeah. Only had three touchdown catches. But when you brought him up, I thought initially, okay, well, 16 games a piece. I think it's, I don't think it's based on what he did crazy to say you could probably slot in 36 touchdowns.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, he was just the such a weapon. I, how many? Teamed up with, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how many did you lose with him not being on the field at that point? I mean, he, and, and you know, it's funny. I had a conversation on a podcast last night about Frank Gore, and Frank Gore came to the NFL with two or three ACL tears. Mm. And there was always a quote, well, how durable is he going to be? He right. gets the NFL, and he played forever. You know, he played, like, as long as a teenager. It was ridiculous. Will Fuller had never been hurt at Notre Dame got to the NFL, and they could never stay healthy. So it was just, you, you never know about those particular things, but for that three-year stretch, 17, 18, 19, yeah. that dude was unbelievable.
2: And it was all spurred on by me texting this guy about a month ago about yeah. Jim McMahon because the guy never played more than 14 games in a season, never started. He started 13 his second year in 83 with the Bears. And I don't know, going back to BYU, if I don't know if he was injury-prone or not, but. Dang, he was one of those BYU quarterbacks that lit it up with Lavelle Edwards back in the day.
0: You know, the the Bears, you know, there's a thirty for thirty on the eighty five Bears. Mm-hmm. And of course they talked about how they got to where they were, how they were yep. built basically, and then talked about that season, how special it was. Every single guy that they interviewed said the exact same thing that Jim McMahon's inability to stay healthy. Now, they were a little bit they were a little bit more bitter about it because they felt like McMahon could have changed his style of play a little bit to stay healthier.
2: Yes, but in '86, it's one of the dirtiest plays. Oh and yeah, I, yeah. He yeah. got he basically got body slammed. Yeah. after yeah. the play, By away a Packer, from the play. Yeah, I mean, I'm that am very proud
0: of. But yeah, you're exactly. There was nothing but, you could do about that. But, yeah, but yeah. his style of play led to him dove headfirst and stuff. missing games and things like that. And and whenever I think of Jim McMahon, the he's kind of the same, but the polar opposite in some sense. I think of Fitzy. And I hate to cut off in the lab at that particular moment, but I need to. So if you want to hear why I say that about Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jim McMahon, well, go to HoustonTexas.com, go to the podcast page, and voila, it's right there. All right, we'll go around the NFL next, right here, on Texas All-Access. Access. 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 Oh, yeah, we got one final segment of this Wednesday edition of Texas All-Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst it's time to go around the NFL. and I want to go to one place, unfortunately, today because it was a uh, double whammy of despair in Baltimore with a future Raven and a former beloved Raven. Two Ravens passed away within the last probably 12 to 24 hours. We'll start with the uh, the current one, Jalen Ferguson, was a star at Louisiana Tech, pass rusher off the edge. I remember in that 2019 game that we played against him, he's a rookie, and we're playing up there, and Deshaun scrambled around, and Ferguson just tracks him, tracks him, sacked, start the game with thought, oh, boy, this is not going to be good. He's the all-time leading NCAA sack artist at the age of 26, passed away in Baltimore today. Uh, I think it was last night, sorry. Uh, in his sleep, just a sad, I mean, just the gut punch of that of a current teammate. I mean, a guy, you know, you go off for break and you're like, hey, man, I'll see you in training camp. Let's stay in touch. Let's work out. Let's, you know, get, grab a bite, whatever. And he was staying in the Baltimore area, passed away in his sleep, uh, Jalen Ferguson uh, of the Baltimore Ravens. Then a little earlier this afternoon, later in the day, I started seeing some tweets as it referenced Top Gun a little bit, I saw the word Goose, and I wasn't putting two and two together. I was like, man, what's, what's this about? Something Anthony Edwards? I wasn't kind of – I was taking it more literal, and then I thought Goose. Oh, Goose. Goose is the nickname of Tony Saragusa, and Tony Saragusa, the longtime nose tackle for the Baltimore Ravens, also passed away in his sleep. He was 55. He was a an instrumental piece. For the Baltimore Ravens the very first hard knocks was done with the Ravens in the 2001 season after they won the championship and Sarah Goose stole the show I mean he was just a riot he and Shannon Sharp would go at it all the time Goose then went into uh, the broadcasting business he worked with Fox he worked down on the sidelines he was kind of more like I like to think of myself as like a field analyst that's kind of what he was and just a a a Mountain of a man, but just a gem of a human being from everybody you talk to. Tony Saragusa passed at the age of 55. So the Baltimore Ravens really suffering through the last 24 hours, losing an absolute legend, Tony Saragusa, and a young man who was on his way to being a, being a Raven. And that's something special for people that play for the Ravens. You, you know, like when you watch the Ravens, you go, okay, that guy's a Raven. Jalen Ferguson was absolutely a Raven, uh, and he has gone Uh, way too soon, as was Goose, Tony Saragusa. So a tough day for the Baltimore community, but our hearts and thoughts go out to everybody wearing purple up there in Baltimore. A big thanks to Mark Vandermeer, to Drew Doherty, of course, to Brevin Jordan, to my man, JP, and all of you listening out there. We couldn't do without you. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow, and as always, go Texans.